Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem. Uh, this is another episode of Watchmen Talk, a series of conversations with Israeli experts and practitioners in the arts of military, intelligence, uh, and diplomacy. And our guest for uh, this second part is uh, Reserve Major General Guy Tsur. Hello. Welcome again. Thank you. Um, a former commander of uh, Israel's uh, ground forces. And um, we will soon get to two important questions. One is the makeup of Israel's army, as uh, distinct from Navy and Air Force. Why is the army different in the way that the ground forces are built and operated? And then some current lessons from the war in Ukraine. But first, you had um, uh, a division command Israel at the time had uh, two regular heavy armored divisions, um, one in the Northern Command and the other one in the Central Command, and both, at least the headquarters, were deployed uh, to uh, the Gaza Strip when you were there um, in charge of withdrawing the um, uh, settlers. But then a year later, you were already in charge of one of those divisions, Division 162, when uh, the war in Lebanon started. And again, as you uh, recounted in our first conversation regarding 1982, a week passes and your forces are not deployed. What happened? Well, uh, the Second Lebanon War is a very big lesson. Uh, I think that uh, the IDF made uh, the same mistake that he made before uh, the Yom Kippur. He looked uh, down a little bit on part of his uh, enemies and he looked up uh, too much on other enemies. Uh, We took uh, too serious, or I I wouldn't say too serious, but we look up on the challenge of the Palestinian uh, challenge in the, in the West Bank, and we look down on the Hezbollah. So it's, it's a very interesting um, comparison, because between the uh, Six-Day War of 1967 and the Yom Kippur War of 1973, we had six years, at least the last half of these six years was almost totally quiet. And between the Israeli withdrawal from southern Lebanon in the year 2000 and again 2006, again six six years in which the focus was away from these traditional enemies and more on the Palestinians, Palestinian organizations uh, before and now uh, in the West Bank um, 
and Gaza Strip. Yes, and, and since then, since 2006, I, try, I, I tried to understand why did we made the same mistake as uh, the IDF made it uh, from Yom, Yom Kippur. And I think that it's something in the officer's uh, mind that they concentrate in one challenge, the IDF, and I have a big uh, criticism on, on, on my forces, on me. Uh, and uh, I teach it uh, until today, uh, other officers. We uh, look up too much at what we do today. We are very enthusiastic of our experience now. So, so your top, top priority becomes total. Yeah. And, and we look down on the other threats. It became to a point that the IDF didn't train. He did only the day-by-day war in the uh, Palestinian Current areas, operations. Current operation. And he thought, and many generals in the IDF said that it prepared us to the other challenges that uh, the IDF Uh, have which which uh, is really um, what may be true regarding stamina or ingenuity or other personal uh, qualities for for officers and men when they encounter danger but not the professional challenge of uh, fighting another uh, enemy in another terrain in another context. Yes, so we go to another terrain. We go to the northern part of Israel uh, with uh, soldiers that <clears throat> are not trained to go in the mountains there and to go for a long time uh, with heavy uh, stuff on their uh, back. And in the first day, we had... V- many, many difficulties, you know, on the simple things of, of how forces can go few kilometers in the night in... Uh, the basics. The basics. But as always, the soldiers and the, uh, you know, and the young officers uh, learned very high and very fast the lessons and they improved themselves. The other problem that was not solved all uh, the uh, all along uh, this war was that uh, the, um, the generals the general commanders uh, the general command of the IDF didn't uh, decide what he wants from this war uh, I think that uh, the chief of staff of uh, the IDF was thinking that he uh, It will be, you know, some kind of a fighting with Air Force and then uh, we will cut uh, this uh, war. And uh, incidents along these three weeks or four weeks made it a very not efficient uh, war. So it has to be decisive. You have to, to uh, try and achieve um, your mission and then go back without... Uh, getting into a war of attrition? Well, we had, uh, I think that it was uh, after a few days that we had some kind of uh, success in the bombing of the, uh, the Air Force and, uh, you know, the successful uh, first days. We understood that if it will last more than that, we have to maneuver into 
Lebanon. Maneuver yeah. meaning sending armored troops. I mean armored troops, infantry, everything to conquer the uh, main uh, part of uh, the area that shoot on Israel in order to... Uh, the launching pads. Yeah, uh, to, to take the launch uh, back and uh, to, uh, you know, put the pressure on the Hezbollah. And that was a decision that uh, the IDF uh, general command didn't want to get, didn't plan to uh, get. And uh, I think that uh, Israel did the last uh, maneuver in the last days, uh, what we call the direction change 11. Uh, Israel took it as um, some kind of... Uh, Reluctantly. Uh, Because, because, because Israeli society has become yeah. casualty averse. Yeah. Now, um, you, a brigadier general, all of a sudden get a phone call from the prime minister, namely five levels above you or yeah. so. Yeah. How did that uh, happen? Well, the prime minister was very uh, significant in these uh, days because he came almost every day to the front of the uh, Northern Command. He met us many times and he talked with us and with the general staff about this war and about our uh, challenges. So it was not, you know, so Out of the the blue. it's not out of the blue. And because we had, not day by day, but we had a few conversations, I didn't accept it as something very, very weird. I thought that he want to touch the ground and to feel what he gets from the the other commanders, the generals, and to feel that it is okay. What was your recommendation? So he called me and told me that he had to have more time to get the decision if we get to a maneuver or we stop this war by uh, some kind of contract. With Because during that time in the United Nations, there were diplomatic yes. exchanges regarding a yes. ceasefire resolution. And my forces were already deployed in the area that they were uh, ready to start uh, the maneuver. And they can't stay there because then the uh, terrorists... The threat on them sh- was higher uh, every uh, every uh, hour. So I told him, look, uh, Prime Minister, Mr. Prime Minister, if you need this time, we will give this time. You must know that it shouldn't be too long because every minute the danger on our uh, forces is getting uh, worse. So please take your time to get the decision, but don't take too much time. That was the conversation. It was very kind and the... Uh, so when pe- when people criticize you officers and you personally for having casualties once the operation did get underway, they don't realize that had you stayed there, again, casualties could have, uh, uh, you could have had casualties because uh, the uh, other side would have attacked you. Look... Criticism is normal in uh, on on commanders in war, and casualties is normal on uh, on uh, uh, commanders in war. 
I wouldn't uh, see it as uh, something very, you know, out of the order. order. But I think that the, the main failure there was our intelligence. I think that the Israeli intelligence wasn't ready for this kind of war. Because its main focus was strategic rather than operational, and whatever it had was kept in their vaults rather than being distributed to whoever needed it. This is the first issue. And the second issue is that only after this war, they started the process Masse Aman, the deed of uh, the intelligence forces, uh, that uh, Aviv Kochavi, uh, the recently chief of, retired chief uh, recently, of staff, he started this process. Until then, they were ready for the big wars. They were very good in uh, finding the armor brigade in Syria, but there wasn't any armor brigade anymore in uh, uh, in 2006. So they weren't ready to the new war. That was the main problem why we get to the second, in the second time to this uh, direction change 11, the operation that uh, we did uh, in the last uh, point, uh, we got without any... Uh, targets, really. Targets and any understanding how, mu- how much enemy is uh, there. And we were surprised uh, from the um, number of, uh, you know, terrorist uh, points that were shoot on us. So, you know, uh, usually people uh, both in Israel and abroad uh, hold Israeli intelligence, especially military intelligence and Mossad, uh, in very high esteem um, because uh, it knows precisely how to get uh, to someone's bedroom. But um, the, the reality is uh, a bit grayer. Well, I think, you know, the intelligence of Israel has a lot of faces and there's a lot of forces. I think that most of them are very good and still today they are very good and they were always very good. But like the IDF, they didn't understand in the time, in the right time before the war, what they should do. And uh, like many times after the war, they did what they need to do. I hope that they didn't do the last war and they prepared themselves to the next war. We'll talk about that <laughs> after the next war and yeah. we'll, we'll look back. Yeah. Now, you were in charge of planning um, for the, the vision, entire yeah. general staff. Yeah. Uh, and then you saw the, um, the, the army and the idea yeah. differently. So what were your lessons? Well, my lessons is that, uh, you know, from one side I will tell you that the IDF and the Israeli uh, defense forces are very, very strong forces. They have capabilities that I didn't know until I became the uh, commander of the... How, the how is that possible? You were a because, brigadier general? Because because there are many capabilities that are confidential, and if you are not uh, in the need issue to, of need them to know. and need to give the money, <laughs> uh, you don't know them. 
in the second, uh, in the other side, I thought, I thought that the IDF needs much more resources than he has. And the challenge to take these uh, huge capabilities and to give them enough to become with 80% or 70% from the, their capabilities is a big challenge. Because if you want to prepare your forces to the severe uh, uh, enemy, to the severe to the severe possibilities, you need much more money. Because so you have to, you know, to manage the risks. Be- because um, you really waste a lot of money because there are no wars and uh, uh, conscripts, draftees, serve for less than three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them, of course, uh, remain as uh, leaders, as commanders, but most of them go into the reserves which you are not going to employ. Yeah. Um, so, and you have to go over it. It's, it's an endless uh, cycle. Endless cycle costs a lot of money. You want to give them, you know, the basic condition, and you give them the basic condition. Um, the reserve have a big criticism, and you want them to be some kind of satisfied from their service because they do it... Uh, you know, let, in, let uh, me show you one of the threats um, any modern military faces. This one. Yeah. Uh, not only because it reveals your location to the other side, uh, but also because um, it enables soldiers to um, contact each other. Uh, there is no longer only a chain of command. And commanders, too, find it much easier to uh, converse via uh, smartphones. Um, it's, it's not uh, your father's army anymore. Yeah, it's very interesting because in the beginning, we thought that we will be able to fight in it and to take uh, the soldiers uh, out of this uh, uh, iPhone and uh, do it with uh, significant and, uh, you know, and uh, uh, tell them you don't use it and they will not use it. After a few years, we understood that we have to understand that this is there. And we need to try to understand how to manage uh, the forces. To adapt. To adapt for that. One of the ideas was to make one like this that is has two capabilities, one confidential, and one not confidential in the same in the same uh, phone, and we did it, and it solved a part of the uh, so, uh, the problem. But the main challenge is the commanding in the younger uh, guys, because sometimes it makes easier to confront with your soldier by the phone uh, instead of calling him and look in his eyes and tell him, look, you have to do this and that. That's what we... The art of command. Yeah, that's what we try to change because there is nothing that replaces, you know, the face-to-face and the feeling that your commander count on you and you count on your commander. The iPhone can't change it. You know, there are 
other critics, uh, especially in the financial press, uh, people who may uh, express the views of the finance ministry, the, uh, the budget uh, uh, division, that you officers uh, get uh, not only such a high salary, but uh, you are pensioned off very early compared to other uh, people who are employed. And therefore, it's uh, a huge burden on the yeah. Israeli economy. But can you attract people and uh, have them stay as a career officers if you don't give them uh, these possibilities? Look, only after I um, retired, retired, I understood how difficult are the life of officers. I don't know <laughs> if I knew before <laughs> if I would did it, would done it, because it's very different. You don't have family, you don't have time, you don't have, you know, you are all in it uh, 30 years, you don't raise your children if you are a commander in the, in the battlefield. And, and you serve at the pleasure of the IDF, which serves at the pleasure of the government. So you are on call 24 hours a day. Yeah, yeah. And in these days, with the economic of Israel, you cannot bring good people if you don't pay them. Now, uh, ground forces command. Uh, Israel uh, did not have it uh, historically. Then it uh, changed to um, uh, ground forces command and uh, had another transformation. But still, uh, it is more like TRADOC or perhaps FORSCOM in the American, mm -hmm. uh, in the US Army. You don't have um, uh, an army as a branch similar to the Navy and Air Force. Uh, whose commanders are in charge of them in fighting too. Yeah, yeah. the ground forces is uh, in charge of building the, to build the forces and to give them to the southern, northern and eastern commander to operate with them in the war. I think that in the IDF it's the right uh, way to do it because, you know, the ground forces is the big crowd. You, it, it's a manufacturer that make uh, commanders every three months and soldiers every three months and have to change the, uh, you know, the experience and to spread it uh, for every everyone and to become very professional and the profession is changing. I think that it's a full hand of working and this is the right way, I think, to build the IDF in its uh, full challenges. The IDF have a lot of challenges. We have a lot of arenas. Every arena needs other professionality. So we have some, we need someone who knows how to build it, who make an expert uh, expert how to build it, who deal with it uh, every day and yeah. who build them. You had uh, command of the ground forces for three and a half years mm -hmm. and uh, you started out with a plan you called um, Ground Horizon. Yeah. Uh, and you found out that uh, intelligence and air will be the weapons of choice for, yeah. for any government and any general staff and only when needed your ground forces will be called upon. So eventually, you saw the logic of it. Look, 
I understood that the main challenge is to prepare the ground forces to prepare to the current challenges. If we do it, if we can make the, uh, the ground force commander um, respe- respond in the very fast way that they will have to respond when you deal with the terrorist who, uh, you know, who is hide all the time, launch an anti-tank missile and disappear. And if we will know to deal with this uh, challenge, we will be relevant. If we will be relevant, they will operate us. But in order for the ground force commander to be number three or four in the hierarchy of the IDF, behind the chief of staff and the vice chief and perhaps the chief of operations, you probably have to also be a core commander during war as uh, a contingency uh, appointment. But you didn't have uh, no. such an appointment. No, no. I, 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 I'm not sure that this is the issue. I think that the main issue is that the ground forces should uh, be prepared to deal with the uh, very, very challenging arena of uh, forces that they are terror forces uh, that they come beneath and between the civilians. So this is a very realistic uh, approach. Yeah, now, yeah, in, yeah. in the two minutes remaining, a few words about the war in Ukraine, which has become a war of attrition. It's a stalemate. Uh, now the uh, U.S. is going to uh, supply Ukraine with tanks. Is that going to change uh, the balance on the battlefield? Well, I think that what we saw is the Russian army Uh, that uh, is uh, thinking like we thought 50 years ago. And we thought that the advantage of uh, military forces that think different is huge advantage as we thought. To, to think creatively, innovatively. Creatively, innovatively, and, and um, you know, the power, the force, the big force is not uh, the issue today, the technology, uh, the capability to attack from a distance, the capability to be very precise, to bring, you know, a huge amount of uh, missiles in the same time and the same place. This is the way how to... Um, so is the tank dead? Is the division dead? I think that it's not dead. We build tanks in Israel, the fifth generation of the Merkava. I think that is a very, very fit to the challenge today, but you have to put it in a fit surrounding, the surrounding of um, a protection, the surrounding of uh, forces that are you know, combined from Air Force and intelligence. And actionable and intelligence. Infantry, all this together makes the tank uh, very... Efficient. Relevant. Yeah. Major General Guy Tsur, thank you very much for two very thoughtful conversations. Thank you very much. This has been Watchmen Talk, and this is TV7 in Jerusalem. We will be back with another edition very soon. 
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.